Hey, man, how was your year? My year was great. Yeah? Oh, as great as it could be, I guess. Great <laughs> kind of thing. Your year can only ever be as great as it could be, I think. That is true. I, I mean, I moved into a new house and stuff, so that was fun. Yeah, and more importantly, you got the new TV. So. And I got the new TV. <laughs> the yeah. cutie yellow TV. Yeah, who cares about the house and the new anything else? Yeah, the house is just the, the decoration, the TV. Is the house the... is just the container for a TV, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, this week we're going to talk about uh, Apple's uh, 2022. So we just discussed our years in, in uh, thoroughly. So let's now do Apple's year. Uh, we're going to go through the calendar, which starts with January 2022. The first uh, big thing we have <laughs> that happened this year is Apple, the company, made history when it crossed over uh, $3 trillion as its market cap. Companies worth $3 trillion as of January the 3rd. Yeah, so this is the very, very start of the year. But what's kind of what makes this notable, because obviously market cap in the scheme of things is kind of relevant, right? Like, who cares? But And, you know, Apple was the first to $1 trillion, the first to $2 trillion, and then at the very beginning of this year, they're the first to $3 trillion uh, off uh, covid you know, COVID run, all tech stocks going through the roof. But as we now know, you know, zooming to December, as in the present day, all the tech stocks took a massive <laughs> plummet uh, in the intervening months. So uh-huh. Apple was worth $3 trillion at the beginning of January. And uh, as of now, they're down to $2.1 trillion. That's a 42% drop in a single year, which is um, which would be terrible if it wasn't for the fact the entire market is basically in the... Uh, doing just as terribly like all the tech stocks like apple's only 40 percent down most of the other tech stocks like google microsoft and amazon stuff they're down even more because they had sure. such a run-up uh during the covid years that has now like come crashing bad crashing back down to earth but yeah that was just kind of hilarious because uh, when i was doing the rundown uh for the year in review stuff this is like the first thing that came up it was like wow yeah we, we started the year with apple at three trillion <laughs> and now they're back at 2.1 trillion obviously this is a financial story more than a you know product story because if you look at apple as a company they're just as strong as they were at the beginning of the year perhaps even stronger you know if you look mm-hmm. across the across look across the segments but uh the investors obviously have um chilled out a bit on the kind of bull run of the covid years and now it's like maybe we're teetering on the edge of a, of a recession which obviously has implications for you know apple sales yeah, the thing that I recall from this story back in January was, um, and I don't know if you got it in front of you, but the the time it took to go from obviously zero to one trillion was huge, and then the time to go from one trillion to two trillion was another number, but then to go from two trillion to three trillion was even shorter. So it was like they're getting to the next trillion faster and faster. This year probably throws a wrench in that pattern. Um, but yeah, so I, it, so obviously it took the existence of the company back in 1980, yeah, uh, through to 2018 to reach one trillion. Uh huh. They then doubled to two trillion in August of 2020, uh, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious because yeah. you know, obviously sales and stuff were all, were all doing terribly because of the pandemic and stuff. But yeah. tech stocks were getting absolutely surged, and then it just took another 16 months to go to three trillion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is bucking that trend now. The year that that that's been. So now we're basically back down to to two trillion. Yeah. So they've lost sixty months of thingy. But you go on a five year timeline, and they're still you know way up. So sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apple's doing all right. Uh, we'll see. The oncoming recession is going to have some impact. But you know, if you go, if you look at the two thousand eight two thousand nine recession, 
uh, Apple as a company was relatively impervious to that too because a lot of their products they sell are like targeting you know higher income demographics and so they generally come out better than a lot of companies do in in downturns but you know they're not they're not um they're not invulnerable and a lot of their growth in the 2010s since the last recession is selling iphones and stuff to average people who are on you know before a lot of their um, business was running on mac sales right around the 2008 recession the iphone only just come out so people buy Mac still buy max but you know iphone sales and smartphone sales, the smartphone market gets hit a lot based on uh, you know recessionary pressure so we'll see how it goes but obviously that's and then they're you know backing up with service revenue all that stuff but uh i think the company's doing fine and the the financial market just kind of went insane in that 2020 21 period where they never know to spend their money on i think yeah yeah uh also the beginning of the year began some of the more detailed iphone 14 pro rumors you know now we actually have the thing so we can look back on it and see what panned out well but um this is the area on january 12th when uh, the pill plus hole punch rumor began i know before that we were looking at will it be I think Ming-Chi Kuo would phrase it as punch hole. Uh, so it's just like, you know, just a dot there. And then there was the idea that it could be a, a wider pill shape, which is like sort of like the notch going down. And in reality, of course, we got both. We got a pill and a hole punch, but with pixels turned off in the middle in between, except for like status indicators for privacy. And then we got the dynamic island, but um what what's 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 important about this story from yeah January? so this i I love seeing when the whenever the iphone gets redesigned it's always great to look back at like exactly when the rumor mill like hit it off and got it and got it square like so far in advance so you're completely right like as far back as september 2021 the whole like um you know punch hole rumor was circulating thanks to ming chi quo and uh i think shrimp apple pro at that time even had a picture of the uh separated pill and uh hole punch uh pill and hole uh which was the ultimately correct design but you know it was more in the sketchy rumor cycle than confirmed but it was really this january story from uh display analyst ross young that was basically like yeah you'll have you'll have two holes at that time he said that the smaller hole uh and and the small hole would not be invisible because for a while people were seeing the hole and pill design and thinking oh maybe the small hole is going to be covered up and that was just like the internal hole for the camera sensor but then be under the screen like all that stuff was running around but obviously none of that happened there is just two physical holes on the screen and apple in software and um, papers it over with the dynamic island appearance which we can talk about a bit more when we get around to september for when the phone comes out but yeah so really the iphone design for 2022 was set in stone in the room mill <laughs> as of january so yeah that will look again we'll look again for that i guess uh in about a month's time for the iphone 15 <laughs> yeah uh, and then with iOS 15.4 beta in January, this is one of the later releases of iOS 15 before we, we moved on to iOS 16. Um, Apple added the ability for iPhones with Face ID to uh, properly unlock your, your your phone when you're wearing a mask, which, again, January 2022, I'd say March 2020 is when masking up really became important and so we went all of 2021 without the feature, but the beginning of 2022, it appeared in beta. And I think probably at the time, there was a lot of talk about, like, like is this too late? Is this relevant anymore? And I I don't have a good recollection of, like, 
throughout this year what the landmarks were for for COVID and mask wearing and everything. But um, I, I think that it was important for a little while, though, at, at least, and, and maybe still now for, for some people in some environments. But uh, it, it was part of the part of the update, part of the COVID response. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that would have been better if they could have shipped it two years earlier, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't. And then when they shipped it, when they did, it was still useful. And even today, people wear people are wearing masks and stuff. And so it comes in it comes in handy. Obviously, it would have been best if they could have shipped this uh, during the very heights of the pandemic, because thankfully, 2022 has seen, you know, super lockdown restrictions um, alleviated in most parts of the West. Obviously, in China, it's still you know, hammering them, but at least in like Europe and America, it's chilled out a bit. Uh, but this feature continues to be useful and it will continue to be useful even if COVID never existed, because even before the pandemic happened, plenty of cultures and markets in the, around the world, like Japan, they wear face masks as day-to-day life in general. And that was just what mm-hmm. they did um, to be respectful. So that this will always come in handy for them. And uh, and it also was the same update that improved like, you know, face ID with a mask with glasses on. Uh, and I'm sure that how that benefits um, even if you don't have uh, like, e- even if you, even if you don't have a mask and you just have glasses on. I, I, I wear glasses and I swear ever since this thing's come in that it's just better at recognizing me and, <laughs> and more responsive anyway. So uh, I'm happy with it. Obviously, Apple will say that you know it's slightly less secure than if you don't have any things turned on. But for most average people, that's that's an irrelevant point. Sure. But yeah, just another thing where beginning of the year, mask wearing and you know the COVID heights were like super predominant and preeminent in people's minds. And you fast forward to now, and it's kind of fallen to the wayside. Yeah. Well, we Everything can... changes in a year. Yeah. The <laughs> I'm reading this next bullet and it's kind of news to me. You're telling me that Stella Lowe is not the head of Apple PR right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you must remember that, right? Stella Lowe came from IBM, right? Yes. No, Cisco. 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 Cisco okay. okay. Yeah. Cisco, which is in the same vein in my mind. Uh, it's January 20th of 2022. Stella Lowe uh, stepped down, left Apple. As well, a, we ne- we never quite got the full story of how she got removed but some people blamed the csam response do you remember like because that was that stayed up the middle of last year then she was gone in january and people blamed her for the poor rollout of the uh csam messaging obviously a feature that apple ended up cancelling entirely yeah Uh, but we we never really know if that was the reason or she just didn't get along in other ways uh apple named christian huget as the replacement um uh, on the same day so she took over internal that was someone internal, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so she took over as VP of Worldwide Communications, but Stella though, uh, lasted less than a year. She was appointed in May of 2021, mm-hmm. and she was ousted in January. January, not a full year. Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> Things you but forget. we never really got follow-up on why it didn't work out. Maybe it was I just didn't... a very uncomfortable job to hold. She said she wanted to spend more time with family, et cetera, et cetera. But oh, yeah, who knows yeah. what happened there? We never we never really got a full uh, conclusion on that one. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to February, this is when uh, AirTag gets its first uh, update that acknowledges all the stories about AirTag privacy, AirTag um, being abused to track people, people finding AirTags on them that they didn't place. So Apple did a whole thing, uh, did, a, did a whole post on the newsroom, an update on AirTag and unwanted tracking. And this is when they they really delivered on features where you'll be notified um, if an AirTag's with you, 
you've you've they've added some material on you're not allowed to use these illegally basically well what was funny is that you say deliver but really they kind of like they announced, announced it, it yeah. and then they very grudgingly rolled out and um looking at the press release now they also didn't commit to doing some other changes they just said we're investigating a series of updates that we plan to introduce later but they never like fully said yeah we're definitely doing these but what they shipped in february was uh, the privacy warnings during setup so that's the thing where like if you buy a new air tag it like says you have to agree that you're not going to do anything bad with it, right? And it's like, you're right. It just lets you know that this tag can be traced back to your Apple ID and you shouldn't use it for nefarious means. Um, So, like, that's the kind of social engineering acceptance nudge theory idea. Then they had the updates to the uh, unknown accessory detected alert, so it would actually report it being an AirTag. Uh, And they updated support documentation. And then it would take months longer, and this rolled out in dribs and drabs over the rest of this year to add like precision finding so when an unknown air tag is nearby you can use the u1 precision finding experience to actually locate it that only rolled out in like november uh they displayed an alert with a sound that also i think that took in like june july time uh, they changed the air tag sound so it used to make a different like noise when it would beep right but they changed that to make it easier to to, to detect like the tone sequence that was like a september thing uh, and they also um, said that they were refining the logic to determine how we alert users because they were basically saying there were some false positives and stuff. Um, it def- this 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 announcement definitely helped quell the news stories and at least change some of the messaging around it, right? Because January, February, there was like every week people covering, you know, a woman is tracked from car park or, you know, air tag found underneath their car, et cetera, et cetera. And that stuff has kind of died away, whether it's because of these policies or just because people got bored of reporting the same thing over and again, not entirely sure. But more recently, we've also seen news reports of people like successfully using these features to identify that they were getting tracked, right? Whereas before it was like a surprise. And now the thing's like beeping and it's getting an alert on the screen and it's actually being uh, helpful. So mm-hmm. I think it did. I think it did help, but a lot of it was like PR management, right? Because the oh, the the raw the raw feature remains. Um, so, but yeah, it's this- kind of just faded to the background, I guess. So you're telling me this was after Star Low left? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, is this also? I, I don't know. Did they have the Android app for for locating? AirTags by then. The Android app came the year before. The year before, yeah. okay. And they just and they have not done a thing where like on the Android level, you just you buy an Android phone and it's got the same ability of detecting AirTags around you as an iPhone would, right? That's still not right. Yeah, because like ideally, because obviously on iOS, the AirTag detection is just built into the operating system, so you don't have to do anything and you can walk around and it will find nearby AirTags and alert them to you. Um, but on Android, you you have to download an app. So like Apple has their track and detect app, and there's some other third party ones. But like the the Apple first party one, it doesn't even even after you download the app, it doesn't work um, in the background. You have to explicitly open the app and like scan for nearby AirTags, which is a bit onerous of an experience. Yeah, ideally yeah. they would like team up with Google and you know kind of what similar to what they did for the um, exposure notification stuff right where yeah. they work together there's a shared protocol and so any phone can detect nearby things um without you having to do anything and do it in the background and without sapping battery life but that hasn't happened is there in recent news is there uh, an an item about find my and opening it up more yes yeah. yes so um part of the eu thing uh, that we talked about on the previous episode uh, that we actually haven't recorded yet because we're in advance and <laughs> sneaky but um, that that involves uh, the European Union filing complaints um, receiving complaints from Tile and others that 
the Thymer network is exclusive to Apple AirTags and Apple should open it up. And if you remember, Apple did open up a Find My third-party program yes, last the year. They, they It was like a beginning, but that program basically only let you make anyone make a device that contributes to the Find My network. It doesn't it doesn't release Find My data to third parties. So Tile could make a Find My compatible accessory, but they couldn't use the data from Find My to enhance their Tile network. So they weren't happy with it. Um, so they went to the EU, and supposedly Apple's exploring ways to open the Find My network up more, which, you know, it's a big tangled mess because of privacy and security and all sure. that kind of stuff. But um, it sounds like that Apple's at least exploring ways to pacify the, the EU complaints on that stuff. Yeah, and then yesterday was Tile owned by Samsung. Now, that I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> oh, they actually. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay, but I, that's why I ask you because I'm not positive. But I think so. Uh, and then tap to pay on iPhone. Um, this title is confusing because <laughs> <laughs> tap to pay is an iPhone feature, but the the important thing is that it's tap to pay on iPhone, and so this is what opens up your iPhone as sort of a payment terminal of sorts. Um, with specific partnerships behind that so so what are the details there this is awesome yeah so this is the kind of like in person uh your iphone can act as a payment terminal so they if you go back in time the obvious things like square they would have that little accessory dongle thing that you plug into the bottom of your phone and then people could swipe on that or place their card on it to do contactless payments and um, but now thanks to tap to pay integration that you don't need a dongle your iphone itself can just act as that receiver for either another iphone or a a contactless credit or debit card um and so apple launched this in february with or at least announced this in february with the first partners being uh, stripe and shopify and then later on in the year it, it rolled out to square and others um i haven't actually seen this in person yet um and i'm not sure how much it's caught on but i think it's a, a thing that kind of just like gradually embeds itself into the culture that like right now you know if you have a corner shop you probably already had a square reader because you needed one to do it right if you wanted to go down that route but future businesses or future small businesses that pop up they may be like well we don't actually need any of this stuff you can just hold your phone up and pay me directly so mm-hmm. um i think there's it's a long tail thing but it's a nice feature to have it still kind of baffles me that apple didn't like add this for their own like apple pay cash functionality because like they actually had an update this year for ios where they made the send and receive buttons more prominent uh when you go yeah, on the apple yeah. pay cash card but they didn't enable the tap to pay on iphone thing like obviously you can send it through iMessage. you just send the the, the um the, the the cash request and you can do it that way so but you know, I, it, that phone number or apple id yeah yeah um but it'd be cool if you could just you know hold your phone to somebody else's phone and just send them some money through your apple pay cash account but they yeah. haven't enabled that for whatever reason yeah, they could have airdrop for 10 minutes for everyone. Pay cash. Uh, <laughs> correction, Tile's owned by Life360. They, they, Tile sold to Life360 in November 2021, um, which which was after AirTag was a thing. Uh, that, that's what I called, though, was that they they were no longer an independent company. They were bought up by another company, and Life360 is one of these companies that, um, I guess, also did location stuff anyway. And I think there was a lot like of controversy. Things, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Samsung have their own tags. Yeah. They have their own separate tag line of tags yeah. that are similar to AirTags. Um, Apple, to, speaking of AirTag, really, Apple didn't really do anything with the AirTag this year. Like, mm. they didn't really add any new features. Obviously, they did the privacy stuff, but, like, no, like, customer features. Like, what something yeah. that people have wanted since the AirTag came out was 
um family sharing right so yes. like you can get better yeah. family support for keys or other or other accessories because right now the privacy changes almost make it more annoying if you're using your tag in a family because your family members always get pinged and notified about you know unwanted trackers traveling with you and it's really just your spouses or your partners or whatever yeah. and they haven't done anything about that so, so the I'm, AirTag I'm kind circled- of coasted this year yeah, I'm glad we circled back to that too because it's not just that there's no family sharing functionality so that your family's devices track you when they're not actually tracking you. It's also that the like enhance alert you when something is tracking you feature, it's way too aggressive and it's it's not good in that like this is a very widespread experience I've seen from Twitter that I also have every single day, which is that um, I will have in my AirPods... And I'll put them in the case or I'll have in my AirPods and then the case is separate and I'll get an alert that my AirPods were left behind all the time. Um, same same thing with things that have AirTags in them, too, like if they're still with me. But it's just it's really aggressive about AirPods and AirPods Max that, that they've been left behind when you still have them with you and they're traveling with you or that something's a lot of there's also a lot of false positives still it seems of something's tracking you when when it's you you know what it is and it's got permission so um, yeah and the notify when left behind mm-hmm. thing you can turn those off per device which but, which defeats the purpose which but then it defeats the purpose of having them yeah, yeah. like i i've had that experience with my laptop um because obviously the Macs can do the notify when left behind thing as well so i have my laptop in my laptop bag just walking around or in the car or something and then i'll be like a mile down the motorway and my phone will bing saying i've left my laptop behind i'm like really but no it's just in my bag so and that's yeah. happened multiple times and it's it always it always makes me worried because it's like i don't want to lose my laptop but it's always in the bag but yeah i they just get the, i just get the alert a lot yeah yeah it's one of those alerts that comes through carplay as well and so they, they haven't sorted out how to prevent that from happening but i still see it on twitter even this past week of someone saying this is the worst iphone feature <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't work so yeah maybe they should switch it to being off by default and you have to opt into it just to i don't know i think they should just fix it because it's or a good fix feature it. yeah that'd be helpful yeah <laughs> it's a good feature it just needs to work right <laughs> happy hour this week is brought to you by factor the holiday season is a busy time cooking is great but it takes a lot of time to prep chop cook, serve, and then clean up. And you can save on all of that hassle with Factor. Factor shops, preps cooking, and delivers to your door ready-to-eat meals. These are chef-crafted and dietitian approved Head to go.factor75.com slash happyhour60 and use promo code happyhour60 to get 60% off your first box. Factor offers more than 34 meal options each week, including gourmet plus, keto, vegan, veggie options, and more. You'll always have plenty to choose from. Enjoy flavorful, nutritious, chef-crafted meals like their creamy parmesan chicken and three-bean vegan chili. And thanks to Factor's commitments to sourcing ingredients with integrity, you can ensure that you're eating guilt-free. And having Factor deliver fresh, ready-made meals to your doorstep is actually cheaper than dining out and getting takeaway. Now, Zach, I know you've had a chance to try out Factor, right? Yes, and I'll, I'll preface by saying this. I enjoy cooking, but I don't always have time for cooking. So this is a life send. Factor is a life send because it's super fast to prepare. Um, the meals come ready to ready to go. You heat them up. Um, and my brother's in town for the holidays, and we sort of had a thing where we, when we got the samples, um, we had five different boxes. We prepared them all and like did a taste test passed them around and everything um and we we were both very happy with everything that we received it was a variety of um beef and steak and chicken and fish and um vegetables on the side and it was 
wonderful. We had a good time with this experience. So I would uh, totally recommend Factor, especially if you're someone who maybe enjoys cooking, uh, likes a, likes a nice warm meal, but doesn't always have time to. Yeah, for sure. And in addition to nutritious and flavorful ready-to-eat meals, they also have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, veggie sides, and more to add on. So stress less over mealtimes this holiday season with Factor. Head to go.factor75.com slash happyhour60 and use code happyhour60 to get 60% off your first box. That's promo code happyhour60 at go.factor75.com slash happyhour60 to get 60% off your first box. Thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show. Moving on to March, there was actually a March event. I know a lot of years we talk about like there's a March event where it never happened and, uh, you know, joke about it. This year there actually was a March event. Uh, I think our expectations were pretty low going into the March event. We expected um, an update to the iPad Air that was sort of samey, and we expected uh, an update to the iPhone SE, which was also very samey. Uh, but instead, we, we did get those things, but we also <laughs> got the Mac Studio, which introduced the M1 Ultra chip, and we got the Studio Display, which was Apple's first first-party display that wasn't $5,000 and up since the Thunderbolt display uh, was discontinued. And it was so this is the first time they've made an external display that's 5K resolution, 27 inches. That wasn't part of the iMac. They discontinued the iMac, the Intel iMac, um, in this in this point, this event as well, which is kind of strange. I mean, even looking back now, the state of the iMac is like they've got the M1 from 2021 at a, as a 24-inch model. No 27-inch replacement, no larger version either this year, no M2 version yet. Um, but this March event is what... And, and Mark so, actually said uh, most recently that there yeah. isn't going to be an M2 iMac. They're going to wait till M3 next sure. year. Which yeah. is fair. You know, year over year, it's fair, for especially for a desktop and laptops are the, the most popular. Um, but this was the event that set the stage for that, you know. And um, aside from M2, you know, coming later in the year, this M1 Ultra was like the big Apple mm. Silicon you know what everyone had been waiting for in terms of um how powerful can you go uh and and they did that with this this is the m1 ultra is exclusive to the mac studio still today right yeah it's not available anything else and if you remember the m1 ultra is basically two m1 maxes glued together so you're getting double the m1 max specs um and like the ultra is maybe somewhat aspirational i don't know people people do use it it's just yeah yeah um but I, I guess if you're an average person, you don't need it, right? But if you're in the it's, professional it's, market, the yes. M1 Ultra is uh, is there for you for sure. Because like the Mac Studios, that you had a Mac Studio, right? You, you yeah. had one. Yeah. yeah well, but well, you didn't well, get well, the Ultra, right? You just got the Max chip. Right. Which would have kept yeah. it in retrospect because it's a solid little computer. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Mac Studio, I think I at the time, I was a little let down that it wasn't more crazy. It was kind of boring because it was just like, the Mac it, Mini form factor that was a taller Mac Mini up with, with more ports and an SD card slot in the front and USB-C ports in the front, Thunderbolt ports in the front. So, so I think it had been cooler. Like obviously with the Mac Pro, they did you know the uh, the trash can design and they then they went to the massive cheese grit again and then I mean, it's function the, over form. It definitely was function over form. But like it's I no think Mac what Pro. you've seen, yeah, what you've seen them do is be very conservative in the years following the kind of reset of the of the Mac line. So like yeah. the, the 2021 MacBook Pro, 
it's just like a Maverick Pro design, but it was a bit thicker and they put the ports on everybody wanted and they they made it good, but they didn't do anything like particularly daring with it. And I feel right. like that same philosophy carried over to the Mac Studio. You know, they took the M1 Max chip, they doubled it up. They didn't bother trying to do anything crazy with like extra expandability or any kind of pushing the boat out on Apple Silicon other than joining the two chips together. Mm-hmm. Um, not to understate it, but it wasn't like, you know, they didn't go above and beyond. They just delivered what they could fit in a bigger thermal envelope because they took a Mac Mini and made it twice as high. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like the 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 the, the Max Studio is a very solid addition to the lineup, and they could carry on selling it as is for another year or so before they have to worry about giving it a spec bump. Uh, the studio display uh, was less of a less of a of a knocking it out of the park situation oh, yeah. because mm-hmm. the display is what everybody wanted, but then they they deliver something that's still quite expensive, and the webcam situation was a pain. Like I don't know, it, I, I still don't feel like they really nailed it on that one. Yeah, so the display. I mean, I, I have one, um, and to me, it is like I, w- I went through a thing in recent weeks where I tried to use my MacBook Air with an external display that's not the freaking sixteen hundred dollars one from Apple, um, and my goodness, like people will still sell you. A 1080p monitor that's like 34 inches, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so. There's not even enough screen space to fit anything. I can unplug it and have just about as much screen space, and it's so not sharp. And then you can get 4K, um, but then you're looking, you know, you're up and you're going past like $30. You're more like $600 for something of that size. Um, and then I learned, I did not know that until this year, until this past month when I was trying to find like an alternative that I actually liked. Um, uh, there's 1080p and then there's one in between that and 4K. Oh, um, like QHD 2560 by 1440, which is the original resolution for the 27-inch iMac before they made the 5K one. Because if you do 2560 by 1440 times two, you get the iMac, you get the 5K resolution, which is the same as you get on the studio display. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like sharp (laughs) you know um and and so i ended up just like man i'm just wasting my time and money i just i'm just gonna stick with the studio display so that's what i did um the the price though yeah it's it's expensive it costs almost as much as a 27 inch imac that had the same screen but without any of the computer inside um design wise you know it, it looks great it's a very it's got a good build um, the screen is just as good, you know, maybe a little bit better than than what the 5K iMac had. Um, the the screen type they they did allow you just like they did with the last iMac, they allowed you to have nano texture as an option, um, which was barred from the Pro Display XDR. Only it's not a thousand dollar layer; it's less than that. Um, I haven't used that, but it's still my preference. But I'm just the the um, the hesitation there is that it's already an expensive display. So adding on a few hundred dollars more, it makes it even even tougher to digest. And then there's a stand situation. Yeah, and then it takes you to a three hundred dollar upgrade. Yeah, and then then there's a stand, which is you can have the studio display purchased with a vase amount ready, and that's I think that's sixteen hundred dollars. Or you can have mm-hmm. it with the normal like IMAX style stand, which is the the foot it goes up and down, or, or you know it goes forward and backward in terms of like it, um, it tilts, yeah, it, it tilts, yeah, it tilts. Uh, it doesn't doesn't raise, it doesn't you know angle or anything. Uh, and then they've got the articulating stand that tilts and raises and lowers, and that one is a, is an even bigger price. So so th- these are not like. Apple didn't just say, you know, we're going to do this and we're just going to make it affordable. <laughs> like, we're going to, you know, they they did a premium. I mean, when you just when you compare it to the price of the iMac, the 5K iMac, 
this is pretty expensive. And then the webcam situation, I mean, they got it. They improved it after a while, but they certainly launched it with um, a pretty bad configuration where it got panned in all of the reviews. Um, they were able to do a couple of firmware updates that I think dramatically improved what you could do. But the whole thing there is it's a 1080p webcam, not 4K. Um, it's it's a, it's a uh, what, do, what do you call it? It's a center this? stage it's camera. That's center center stage camera, which had previously only been on iPads, iPad Pro and the 329 iPad. Um, and I guess the iPad Air from this event. But they, uh, it, it's, I, I guess, at a, at a, on a larger screen and in different lighting, it just did not work out as well. And so they definitely improved it. Um, part of this is, is it's got an Apple Silicon chip inside. And so there's a lot of like borrowing and not a lot of like over engineering. But, um, you know, I think all of that, it, it, I, I ended up like selling my first one and then like replacing it with an open box one. But, and the person who bought it was like, oh, it has a webcam built in? It's, you know, so like, it's not a given that displays have webcams and speakers and microphones built in. So you can kind of ignore that. And, and maybe that helps the price a little bit. But I mean, the speakers are also pretty good. Like this, if you just I don't yeah, have it. Yeah, I don't have external speakers at my at my desk. It's just the Mac Studio or excuse me, the Studio Display. Um, but and, and those are good. So I I like it. I just wish it were more affordable. And I wish the if it came with the options that you had to pay extra for in the base price, it would be a lot more. Like the fact that you don't get a height adjustable stand in a yeah sixteen hundred dollar computer in a sixteen hundred dollar monitor by default is pretty rough because mm-hmm. the the height adjustable stand is like a four hundred dollar upgrade. Yeah, kind of. Kind and of there, there was uh, talk like soon after this about there being a summer update to another display because I think one of the big things too that was um, in the in the reviews early on was it's not um, mini uh, uh, LED, mini or, LED, yeah, yeah, mini LED, and, and so it's it's it doesn't have as good of a screen as the iPad Pro and the MacBook Pro that you would attach to this thing um and then there are there are many led screens that are lower resolution etc that are less expensive um i think the to sum it all up though you, you couldn't compare the apples to display to something else that was a better deal with the same specs involved um and and for me i run this thing with more space so it doesn't use the default resolution it, it, it shrinks everything down I do that on my MacBook Air as well, and I'm super happy with that because I've got a lot of screen real estate to work with without overlapping windows, um, and I just sit a little bit closer to the screen than I would otherwise. So I'm happy about that. When I when I plugged my MacBook Air to a 1080p monitor, I, I I thought I was something was wrong in the settings. I just it was so not dense and not sharp. So this thing. It's valuable. It's worth its money. It's a great, it's great, great build quality. Uh, it just, it just shipped with the, you know, wonky web camera, which improved. And then I think there's still an appetite for something in the middle between the $5,000 Pro Display XDR and, and then this, again, no mini LED, not HDR. Um, so the, and, and even the, the difference between $1,600 and $5,000, there's, there's room there for pricing. So price, price point hurt a little bit. Webcam was a bad story. And then there's still room for something that's higher spec, you know, might even just be an update to the Pro Display XDR, which is sort of mm-hmm. aging even compared to like iPad mini LED experiences. So, um, yeah, and then the thing with the Mac Studio too, I just want to mention is that there really like wasn't a big 
gate in terms of like a controversy with the Mac Studio. It was pretty well received. I mean, the biggest complaint was that it looks homely and it isn't like a creative design. Um, but it, the, the, there was the a bit fan, of a thing over the bit of a fiasco about the fan noise, if you remember. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The fan sound. So mm. you uh, you can get the Mac Studio with a M1. Uh, it's M1 Max and M1 Ultra. There's yep. no desktop still with an M1 Pro chip, which is only in the MacBook Pros. So there's there's certainly still an appetite for something that's like a beefier Mac Mini. Again, they didn't update the Mac Mini, the Intel version, the Space Gray that's still being sold. And so an M1 Pro version of that would feel like, or an M2 Pro when that comes out next year, would feel like a good fit there. But um, for the Mac Studio, though, it was that you could have the same chip uh, from an M1 a Max in a Mac Studio or an M1 Max in a MacBook Pro, and the fan noise would was an issue for some on the Mac Studio versus on the MacBook Pro, which is odd because you'd think that the desktop would handle heat better than, than the laptop would. Uh, you know, I think that was just sort of like this is a fact. This is a factor of how it is, um, but it, it you know nothing that's like don't recommend that. It's just an observation yeah. of. A, a kind of a, a wonky difference there and then also at that same march event they formally teased the new mac pro saying <laughs> yeah. it's for another day which sent everybody rife with speculation including me that oh that's they're queued out for wwdc yeah. and two months later and then of course wwc came and went and there was no mac pro and even well, today like september still- november is the latest right <laughs> yeah, there's not even a tease of a new Mac Pro. I feel like something had to have gone wrong there for them to tease it in March. Otherwise, like when they teased it in March, they must have thought it was coming out this year, and then something yeah, happened. I think and so. It didn't come out this year, and now we're just waiting for it. And Mark has even reported. I mean, we'll, we'll discuss when we record next week for last week's show that you know I think the the aspirational goal of having like two M1 Ultra chips equivalent or M2 Ultra chips equivalent tied together is, is not on the cards. So it sounds like this thing was like much more ambitious but it, it will still differentiate itself from the mac studio um if it's got support for for changing you know adding more memory and adding more storage and maybe adding cards to it unknown on video cards but there's there's a lot they could do with modularity with with you know what you expect from a mac pro i think that won't be as customizable as previous mac pros with intel but that will definitely set itself apart from the mac studio both in price and functionality yeah, and we'll just have to wait and see whether we have to wait until June for WWC 2023 before we actually see that, or if it comes if it comes sooner than that. Yeah, also in um, March, also Apple March, won the, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, they, they <laughs> had the uh, Best Picture Oscar for Coda, which is pretty um, significant because the Best Picture Oscar is like the most prestigious awards you can probably win. Every is other streaming first service first has been buying first, is, is it- first, first for any streaming service. Yeah. Okay, and and certainly first for Apple, and and then first since Apple, March yeah. is that their own, and then since March is their only, I guess until this time next year we would learn. Yeah, because the Oscars more. haven't happened again yet, but they're not yeah, gonna March they're not year. gonna win next year. That's okay, just, okay, <laughs> you've so, heard it here first. Uh, they don't have, they don't have a good enough film, unfortunately, for this cycle. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll the fact they won one at all is uh, important enough because Netflix was gunning for this award for five years in a row apple kind of wanders in and does it and like basically their second year of eligibility because technically they were eligible for this last year but again they didn't really have a, a qualifying film at that time uh, but they picked up coda from sundance 
everyone said they were stupid because they they weigh because they spent quote unquote too much on it because they spent like a record 25 million getting the film everyone was like that's way too much money apple doesn't know what they're doing and then they went and won the uh, best picture oscar from it so they kind of showed everybody up and i think netflix in particular was pretty mad that you know apple just kind of walked in and did what they've been trying to do for literally five years so yeah could have validated uh, their film division Coda stands for child of deaf adult, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the premise of the movie is, is, uh, you know, there's a lot, it's, he- it's heavy sign language and it's, it's growing up in a family that only uses sign language. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since then I've, I've seen Coda out in the wild as like a term used by someone who was like, um, yeah, they use it in context and I only knew what it meant because of, Apple's movie that I haven't seen, but should probably watch. <laughs> <laughs> ah, April, baseball season, MLB. Yes, Apple's so Apple's Apple foray into, into into live sports streaming. Yeah, yeah. So they did Friday Night Baseball, which is two games a week for the regular season. That was for uh, obviously MLB. Uh, it was their first kind of foray into it, but obviously it's not the last. Uh, Major League, but the, the, I think the MLB deal came together quite last minute, and so there wasn't really much scope for Apple to do anything fancy with it. It was just like, well, mm-hmm. now we're streaming two games a week. Here you go. Um, but and but that deal was at least re- renewed for 2023, and then who knows beyond that. So they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be doing the MLB uh, front net baseball thing again uh, next year. But obviously they've got ambitions on much larger sports ventures. Um, also in April, they announced the self-service repair store, which was quite notable because this was like Apple's first acknowledgement or at least um, conformance to upcoming regulation around Right to Repair Act. And basically, the law was uh, the incoming laws are saying that repair um, manuals, tools, and parts should be as readily accessible to the individual customer as they are to the company's official repair programs. And so what do we know? Here comes a self-service repair store that does exactly that. So you can go on the website, you can order all the same parts and tools and materials that the Apple Store can when they want to repair your phone. And it launched just for the iPhone uh, 12 and 13 components for battery display replacements, camera and stuff. And obviously since then it's rolled out to Macs as well. So yeah. if you do want to take on all the risk of and burden of repairing your own device, you can do that for the same price as if you go to the Apple Store and get them to do it for you. So in practical mm-hmm. terms... I don't know who, sh- like, I wouldn't recommend people do this really because you can just get Apple to do it and they take on the, the risk of if something goes wrong, they'll replace your device. Whereas if you do the self-service program and you mess it up, you're just screwed. Uh, but it's nice that it's there as an option. If you're a um, tired who- genius bar or technician from somewhere else and you're just like, I can do this on my own. I don't want to do them all. Then think of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, this one of the things that stand out to me about the self-service repair store, um, which was US only, and I guess by the end of the year it, it expanded, but um, was the the website was renowned for its design. It was yeah, <laughs> it still looks like that, even though it expanded. Yeah. The website is terrible. Yeah. It, it looks like a it looks like a spa, like a scam. Yeah, uh, and then but it's really legit. Yeah, and for Friday Night Baseball, I just want to comment there. You know, they they did the two streams on Friday nights and East in a West Coast game, and then they also had a studio show aspect to it, and they had a whole um, cast of hosts and on screen talent. They they uh, employed or they they used AirPods Max in the wild, which you don't see often um, on one of the one of the uh, correspondents on the field. I saw AirPods Max last night in the gym. And and for the first time, someone else using. I, I've seen him twice in the wild now, from people <laughs> I don't know. Once at Universal uh, in Orlando, 
and then one to the gym last night. So that's two times. Um, Friday night baseball, though, I think what will be curious here is do they do something more next year? Because, I mean, this was not just a last minute deal. Um, there was uncertainty about when the season would start because there was a whole dispute yep. between um, players, owners, leagues, et cetera. And, and then the highlight, I think, of Friday night baseball, you know, it's I, th- I think it's a good product um uh, but the highlight of it was the the Aaron Judge Yankees um home run record uh situation where it was likely to happen on an Apple Friday night baseball stream didn't actually happen but before that 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 was a thing there was just a whole lot of stuff i mean even like i think it was the attorney general of 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 New York was like apple needs to open this up to everybody yeah. or, or give it to the um yes network in new york so so cable subscribers can view this well it's actually free online oh um, no apple like no apple device required so uh that just was unexpected and and was kind of a nice you know bow on the end of the 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 first season of friday night baseball in terms of it being a story in the mainstream yeah and um, on a technical uh uh, perspective they did make one improvement because when it launched you couldn't even pause or rewind okay the, the live stream or start from the beginning but a couple of couple of, couple of months in they added that functionality which is like the bare minimum you'd expect from you know an online streaming version but i do hope that when they come back that they do something a bit more fancy with it yeah. I mean, even if they just let you watch both streams at the same time with like picture in picture kind of situation uh that would be a lot more interactive and, and modern you know yeah and it's it's tough to compare apple and friday night baseball i mean apple is a tech company and they've got streaming and they, this is not brand new to them but they were late to getting this deal and so there was sort of a white label stream with apple over it um and, and you have to compare to mlb which literally like the, the company behind mlb streaming sold like recently sold them uh, i think the rest of the stake and what became disney's streaming back end bam tech yeah yeah so like it was the the folks at mlb that made that platform sturdy for live sports streaming for mlb and it became the foundation and like the whole of what is disney plus streaming so um pretty pretty hard to compare to that uh even even so mlb at bat the app and service is is well featured because it's got years and years and years of development this was very last minute for apple hopefully season two um brings some surprises hopefully (laughs) and and they're in more sports too we'll talk about that later in may um apple announced that the music lives on that was the press release, <laughs> which was a euphemism for the iPod Touch is discontinued. <laughs> yeah, that is an end of an era. Not sure yeah. there's much else to say on, on that, but yeah. yeah. I, I do kind of think that there still may be room for a, a cheaper iOS device that isn't an iPod Touch. But something. Uh, I, iPad is so in that... I think iPad has just eaten it up. I mean, the iPod Touch is certainly cheaper, um, yeah. but, but I think hand-me-down iPhones and then even iPad for $330, you get a lot more bang for your buck out of an iPad for 330 than you would an iPod for 200 mm-hmm. or more. Um, so I totally get it. The thing that I recall from this and this story in May is it invoked a whole lot of nostalgia from iPod fans, um, just Apple fans in general that, that were remembering the iPod era at its heyday. And I know I purchased a couple of used iPods on eBay. Um, I know some of our colleagues, Seth and Chance, maybe populated like a full inventory of um, certain lines of iPods. 
was really big at this time because of the the ending of it all. So that was me. I, I think the thing I miss from the iPod era most is just uh-huh. like the kind of random experimentation they do because like the iPod line would get changed and redesigned like every year, if not every other year for like yeah. seven straight years in a row, especially like the iPod Nano. It had so many generations that were just like, we're gone in this RAM direction this year, and we're on this yeah. next year. And all of that kind of just like experimentation has kind of died away and you don't get any none of apple's current product lines change or are as volatile as what the ipod line was and that was like during the ipod's heyday so yeah the they don't really have I, a product they can just kind of like jam on right the thing that i i uh you know kind of relate to on that topic is that at the time i felt like just like that where the ipod was experimental it would change dramatically year over year especially the nano in size and shape and form and everything um, and then i felt like the apple watch was the, the prime place to do that as well like there's enough variety there and like watch preference that you could just have you know this year this is the shape this but and they've only had the same shape every single year until we get to the apple watch ultra which is like the first time i felt like they they played around with with, with what the apple watch can be um and and you know any variety at all besides just like this is a better version of last year so a little little bit of that i think is is showing up there but it's not anything close to what it was before um what i miss about the ipod era is i think probably is just like the the pre-streaming before there was um with streaming you've got like unlimited access to everything over the internet with without streaming you had everything was local and instant and streaming is not bad at all like performance wise but i think it is nice sometimes to be able to know that offline you have your whole all the music there and i think for me what i'm getting like getting at is that in the future when i'm purchased devices uh i think i'm going to prioritize higher storage uh, amounts and, and just to kind of have that that same peace of mind of like everything is local no no cloud required for loading it you know and, and any any sort of delay there so uh that's kind of my thing we go to june wwdc i think this was a very exciting wwdc it certainly felt like that at the time um what's what's your takeaway on on this year's wwdc yeah so what did we have? we didn't have any hardware we had I was 16, watch was 9, iPad was 16, Mac OS Ventura. When did the MacBook Air come? The M2 MacBook Air? That was July, your, your month early. Well, I, I, oh no, I guess they technically announced it, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was announced and then released the next month. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah you're, you're right about that. Yeah, because yeah. Hey, so, hey. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they talked about the M2 chip for the first time. Because we're talking about semi-in-person and this was a factor of that was the hands-on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, iOS 16, obviously the big thing was the lock screen customization. Long-awaited upgrades there. I've been looking forward to that for a long time because it always annoyed me that the Apple Watch had so much customization for its lock screen, i.e. the watch face, you know, so many different designs, very dynamic, photo albums, animations, all this stuff, um, complications. And then you'd look at the iPhone and you'd get a static wallpaper and that was it. So they finally brought that um, into the modern era with 16 with lock screen customization. You can have, you know, they have like seven different wallpapers you can choose from in terms of like wallpaper styles. And obviously they're dynamic. You've got updating weather, you've got photos, you've got photo albums. You can customize the lock screen font and the text and you can put the widgets which are kind of like complications because they're not like fully like rendered they're just like you know white white text and icon and icon and icons kind of style um but that's all there i think it's been pretty well received and i see quite a lot of people now that are just out in the real world that have some form of customized lock screen even if it's just um 
changing the font or something even you know even if they're not using widgets and stuff so i think it's been well received obviously there's more they can do there it'd be great if they could offer like third-party wallpaper packs or like an app you know like a, a wallpaper app store so you can get more customization i would really love to be able to change the two buttons at the bottom of the screen from torch and camera because i, I use the torch but the camera is like redundant because you can swipe the side anyway so i think it'd be nice for you to be able to change those buttons in the name of customization because they let you change pretty much everything else um, the notifications where they come up from the bottom on the lock screen, I get why they did it because they want to like prioritize the the photos and the imagery, but I still kind of missed the old way where it just appeared in the middle. <laughs> I don't know, like mm-hmm. bit bit bit. Uh, I still haven't got my like. I still haven't made peace with the fact that it always rolls in from the bottom. It's okay, but I I kind of missed the whole middle option. And they they give you a choice in settings where it's like count, stack, or list. But like the difference between stack and list is so minor that it's almost like why do you even bother having the option? I feel like they should let like list be like the old classic design, but uh, they haven't done that. Or the big thing for the iPad was obviously Stage Manager, and we know how oh, well. <laughs> how bedraggled that that has been and remains to be. Right, even though they've f- kind of fixed the bugs now, it's still kind of like limited. Like it expanded and it beyond weird. the initial slate of iPads that were promised. Yeah, that was the other thing because at first it was M1 only. They backtracked on that a bit, which was nice. Um, WatchOS, can you remember what was new in WatchOS 9? The, I mean, the workout app is a huge change in WatchOS yes, uh, 9. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's the biggest thing for me is that the workout app is is wild, wildly better, wildly detailed. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the, but the, oh, and the weather app came to the iPad finally. That was a nice little, uh, nice really? little conclusion. Really? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mac, obviously. Yeah, what's the big in terms of it being in person? Mm-hmm. Was nice. Obviously, it was only semi in person because they like brought all the people there to sit outside and watch a video. Uh, by the September event, they got everybody inside to watch a video. It would be nice if they get back to fully in person events where they have doing live presentation and not just playing a video for people. Uh, I I still miss it. Like I know some people say, well, the videos are better and they can have more people involved and they can be more fa- fancy with the production value and stuff, but. They get less, they're less interesting. Like the, the liveness of the old Apple events were like really what got me like into it. Now, when I watch the events, like after two years of it being like this, it's kind of like, yeah, whatever, just show me the stuff and move on. Where at least when, when you presented it live on stage, there was all the op- opportunity for something to go wrong or for them to be, you know, right off the cuff and stuff. When you're just watching a video, it's like, you're just watching a video. So I kind of do hope they go fully in person and maybe they'll do it for some events and not others like you can imagine maybe like the ar headset event kind of situation they really want to do in person in person rather than playing a video but we'll see how that goes but at least at least they've got um audiences back in the campus now rather than just being purely virtual for everybody yeah big big things on watch os9 for me um i mean i think the big thing in general is like also had the the medications app for medicine tracking mm-hmm. um and then the i think the biggest thing for me though was that they updated older watch faces to have what they call range compl- complications so you had the um complications set from watch us three and earlier and uh series three and earlier and then they they brought the ones from series four and later to the original watch faces so that was a big one for me which not everybody liked because it meant some faces looked a lot different than you'd want before but for example like instead of having the current temperature as the number and degree in a circle you would have a gauge with the high the low and the current temperature in the same amount of space more edge to edge and i will say they did that they finally made all the older watch faces look um fitting for the the watches that they were then selling 
and then they introduced the ultra and now and now i think there's like another opportunity there to optimize those faces for the ultra or make more ultra faces but that that was that was the big thing for me was that i wanted for a long time was update those watch faces to not look dated oh and shared photo library that was a big feature for all the os's which was a long time coming and i'm mm-hmm. glad they did it yep yep and then uh let's see we go from june well we, we've got more sports in in june so we've got major league soccer that was something that you had your 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 finger on the pulse of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they announced MLS deal, which is a much bigger investment in both like principal money terms and terms of like Apple's involvement. Because like like you said before, Friday Night Baseball is like white labeling the Major League Baseball production. MLS is a much tighter partnership between the league and Apple. They've changed the schedule to get all the games happening in more reasonable times. They're going to stream all games exclusively. It's not just like two games a week. It's every single game. There's going to be more on the kind of like production enhancement side between like Apple integration and stuff that they haven't announced yet, but I'm pretty sure that's coming soon. Um, and it's available worldwide and no no regional blackouts like it's a big it's a big deal obviously it's for for major league soccer which is a much smaller sport um in the u.s than say baseball is or anything but i think it's a uh, um, um, something for apple to really like dig their teeth into and, and to do a lot more with so that would be uh fun to see that kick off in february yeah and i think that in um you know i guess i didn't realize it's time but having the world cup which is unrelated to mls but soccer still um take up a lot of attention in the month of december i think that that you're able to go from that in december to mls on apple uh in february i think that will have to help out with mls adoption and also i think that apple having major league soccer will have to move the needle somewhat on like u.s interests and and adoption um i mean uh We'll see. We'll see how engaged I am, but I just feel like it's just so much more accessible than um, if it's like an ESPN two or ESPN three sort of like feel to it. You know, having it's it a shame it's place. so expensive. Like I was kind sure. of hoping it'd be a bit cheaper because it's they priced it at fourteen ninety nine a month or ninety nine dollars a season. Yeah, that, and that speaks to existing fans, right? Not growing new fans. Yeah, and and but for if you if you are a, like a super dedicated real fan, you have a season ticket to go and see games in person. You get an MLS uh, subscription for free. Yeah, so very nice touch. It's very nice for that. Yeah, but if you're just like more of a casual viewer, I'm not sure how like compelled you're going to be to spend the extra money. Uh, if you do have the Apple TV Plus, they're going to have some percentage of games just streaming included. That will help you, with growing fan base. Yeah, yeah but if you want all games, you have to pay the, you have to pay the fee. Uh, but the, again, the, the details of that schedule and which games are free and which games aren't haven't been announced yet, but they yeah. will be soon. By, by the way, if they're back to baseball, free free to start, they never actually charged for the whole, whole first season. And That's a good point, actually. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I guess uh, we'll see next year where they start pay, charging for it. Yeah. Um, the thing with... The thing that uh, so well, just the comprehensive list of, of sports that Apple streams or will stream is um, Friday Night Baseball from the Major League uh, Major League Baseball, and then um, every single soccer game from Major League Soccer in the U.S. And that's it, right? There's no additional thing coming or rumored or or happening, right? Well, the NL, the Sunday ticket thing was rumored, but apparently that's cancelled now, so they're not yeah. involved. Yeah, uh, there's so, nothing else official. There's ru- there's plenty of rumors that they're like investigating other other leagues and rights and stuff, but yeah. the only official and the announced ones are MLS and MLB at this stage. Yeah. So two things for me. I hope that they do something with um with basketball with NBA because I like watching basketball games. The NBA rights don't come up until 2025, so I think. They, yeah. they might bid for those, but obviously it's a couple of years yet before they yeah. can. 
And, and I remember I spoke recently about how hard it is to watch NBA games <laughs> and, how, <laughs> and how bad some of the services that, that, that present those are. Um, and then also no female sports yet. So, so far it's, it's, um, there's no like equivalent. There's no like female baseball league version of MLB. Um, there's, there's below that, but there's nothing equivalent to it in, in the way that there's the, they have NBA and they have WNBA. Uh, and then they have MLS and then they have the, um, female equivalent of that, which is something I'm more exposed to. Uh, but would would like to see them. I don't know what the rights are for WNBA, if it's the same or less, but I would imagine that that would be a wonderful thing for Apple to add to the platform so that it's not all male sports. Um, and like, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely add more sports over time. Yeah. I'm just not sure if they'll have deals ready for next year. Because sure. some of this stuff depends on when the deals come up, right? And then sure. they can rebid for rights. So. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting thing from uh, about like Netflix was trying to bid on things like certain tennis uh, tournaments mm. and even the entire surfing league. <laughs> like, And nothing's nothing's panned out there, but it's like those are all things that you could see Apple doing as well um, in the future. So in anything with football in the U.S., whether it's college football, or NFL, if they could get anything there, like even even something like what Amazon has where they have Thursday night games there's no football that's a big deal espn has monday night football um so the, if they could do anything there i know they always talk about what what is it the, the big 10 conference which is a variety of sports um where where is that gone where apple's the big 10 hasn't gone to apple that's that's gone to the traditional networks and then there's some sharing on peacock and yeah and paramount plus i think which yeah are are related to the big networks for exactly for, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's mostly yeah. stayed on uh, broadcast basically so so far mostly apple's been interested but has has missed out on on a lot of these aside from uh two friday night games which is a whole new thing for first for broadcasting streaming and then and then soccer which is it does know. seem they value getting like worldwide rights quite highly um because mm-hmm. obviously mlb is available in multiple countries and the mls is available even more countries uh, and I think what you see with MLS is that Apple likes the MLS deal was good for them because all the rights came up at the same time, so they could get rights to every single game, and they could do it around the world. And they could be involved in you know planning the schedule and getting the integration and having Apple TV logo on every team's jersey and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, they obviously have more interest in those kind of things. Like they could obviously afford anything, but uh, they seem to be targeting stuff where they can have more of a you know dig their teeth into it a bit more. Yeah. Um, June was also whenever we uh, talked every single week for the entire year about Dutch dating apps. Why did we do that? Oh, yeah, that was that whole thing because the Netherlands, uh, this began literally in January and it finally got resolved in June. But like every other week, it would be some update on the Netherlands (laughs) story because in January, uh, the Netherlands basically passed a law that said dating apps should be allowed to use alternative payment systems. Um, and obviously the app store does not allow alternate payment systems so apple would like do nothing they got a fine they would do a little bit they get a fine they do a little bit more they get a fine and then eventually and finally it came around to june it finally got resolved but literally it took six months for them for them to finally get on the on the good side of the dutch regulators as far as the uh, dating app situation was concerned the the only result was that basically apps are now allowed to in the netherlands uh, if you're a dating app you can offer an alternative payment system you can offer a link out to the web but any purchase that is made through those sources still must give apple a 27 percent uh commission down from 30 percent, but 27 percent is basically the same after you've accounted for credit card processing fees so monetarily it doesn't even make sense for these people to do this 
uh, but it's technically now in compliance with the law. And they, they, it took a while because like Apple would say, well, you can do either a link to the web or an alternative payment system inside the app, but not both. And then the, the Dutch regulator would be like, well, our law says you can do either. And then Apple would like kick their feet around a bit and then they eventually just allowed either either method. So it took took a while. They accrued $50 million in fines mm-hmm. before the time they actually got into compliance. But mm-hmm. the end result basically was that now sure. a Dutch dating app can make a alternative payment system but you still have to give money to apple that is basically the same amount of money you give anyway so if you're looking for it to just increase more of your personal revenue share it's not really a great thing um and you have to like submit a separate app binary and all that stuff although they they did they did that was one of the things they also reversed was that now you can do it in the same binary and etc etc but this this kind of framework uh, it was funny the fact that it took them six months to resolve it and it will happen in public with like every month the regulator like complaining about apple's uh, bad behavior but this framework of alternate payment systems is probably going to be even more prevalent going to next year in the coming yeah. years like i think what you see for dutch dating apps is eventually going to be available in many markets for all applications um but at the end of the day apple's still going to try and collect their commission on it until they get told they can't do that but so far no regulator or lawmakers said they can't make money off all these sales even if they're not going through apple's payment system yeah and uh, my takeaway from this at a high level is that we now know that Apple does have an appetite for having specific policy and investing in what they have to do in certain markets. And, and they prefer to do something specific to these markets that's more restrictive and what they can do and then having what they want to do in, in most of their markets. So they're okay with doing something that's only, um, and then other ones are only, um, in other in other markets because they're going to do the least they can do. And a lot of times they're going to do things in such a way that it makes no, you know, material difference at the end of the day. It's just <laughs> what, what, how, how they can work around these things. Um, and that's the, that's halfway through the year now, Mayo, and we've recorded a full happy hour here. So I don't, I don't know. Let's keep going. <laughs> July, Johnny Ive, uh, his, uh, <laughs> he, he was Apple's, um, he, he made, he left Apple. He made love from as his company. Um, but then in July, his contract with Apple ended, which seems to just be like sort of a public thing. Not like a, not like an actual, like produce something, but more of a, like a, it's okay. Johnny's still working with Apple. It's going to be fine. Um, and then Johnny not talk about Apple or like compete directly against like Apple companies sort of thing. But, uh, it ended and I don't think we ever saw anything that was like explicitly like, this was the Johnny Ive thing that he contributed to Apple. Maybe some car stuff. We don't know about that. Um, and maybe some headset stuff. Maybe some headset stuff. Yeah. Um, there was talk about Johnny having been involved with the iMac from the previous year, but yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that, that this was, was this that. was notable in the sense that they made a three year deal when they yeah. when Johnny Ive first resigned in 2019. They said Lovefront was going to be a primary client, and then the moment the three year deal ended, they didn't renew it, and nothing happened. Like right, right. They they just wanted to get out of the Johnny Ive. Uh, pocket as soon as they could yeah yeah Yeah. and then as hinted before the m2 macbook air launched in july uh this was the redesign of the macbook air because the m1 macbook air was just like the intel macbook air minus the fan and plus a whole lot of battery and performance so in this case it's modeled after the macbook pro designs which um have fuller screens they have the notch from the iphone they um have a a different kind of design to the body and um 
in this case, it's the thinner version of that. Not as thin as the thinnest point of the wedge shape MacBook Air. This is the first time they took a MacBook Air and did not use a wedge shape um, at all. And uh, I think since July, it's aged very well. It's it looks good. They they did uh, starlight and midnight colors for the first time on these on these machines. Also available in space gray and silver. Boring, but I like silver though. It's better than space gray. Um, I've got the midnight version. It's a fingerprint magnet. It's also the closest thing to a black laptop from Apple, um, and it's 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 pretty freaking cool. So M M2- yeah, the MacBook Air was a big win. Yeah, big, also also I- the only M two chip in the world, right? No, the no. Don't forget the incredibly uh, important thirty inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. <laughs> Okay, well I got the M2 chip as I well. I don't believe you, but that's fine. <laughs> is the Mac is the Mac Mini on M2 yet? No, no, no. no we're still waiting okay. for that. Okay, so, so it's just it's just the M2 is only in the uh, MacBook Pro 13 uh, inch, the old yeah. design. Yeah, and this MacBook Air. The, the price went up for this thing by a little bit. I think you were at a thousand dollars before, and now you're at twelve ninety nine. So thirteen hundred dollars, so thirteen dollars yeah. increase there. Um, it's a, it's a good machine. I mean, the screen's a little bit larger. You, it's it's a good machine though. It's it's great. You, I mean, it's the return of MagSafe as well. So before you had two Thunderbolt ports, now you've got th- two Thunderbolt ports plus MagSafe. So in theory, you could be charging and using two I/O ports. Um, not as many ports as what you have in the MacBook Pro, for example. But that's the difference between the two things. Um, so this this is this is a win for me. This is my current MacBook. This is my current Mac. Yeah, I think it's great. There the one kind of gate that came out of this was the fact that they started using um slower speed ssds in the base model if you remember because yes. they went from using two um 256 gigabyte individual chips to one 512 gigabyte chip for the base model uh storage capacity which meant that you basically got half the read write speed i think half your storage, storage i think half your storage amount and you're correct there but yeah when oh you- is it 256 base still okay that is, yeah uh, yeah so it's two 128s and then it was one 256 one 256 yeah. okay yeah. yeah um well they should really bump up the base storage at this point but the point oh, stands that <laughs> i'm i'm still not sure they even did this for cost saving reasons they it probably cost them about the same it was just like what they can buy in parts wise um but the end result was that yeah if you got the base model in benchmarks you could definitely see that it was slower in practice it's not like you were getting 50 percent slower performance because not everything is io bound maybe some tasks it was a bit slower but in general i don't think it's a big deal it was definitely overblown in terms of like press coverage rather than reality and people have forgotten about it because it didn't really matter in the scheme of things but yeah mm-hmm. overall love the macbook air i don't have one but i've seen one they're cool i wish they would have brought out those colors when i bought my macbook pro the year before because uh, they wouldn't even bother to color match the magsafe board <laughs> the magsafe cable for the macbook pro but they do for the macbook air um, but yeah, MacBook Air, big tick, uh, took an aging design, which is still on sale at the nine ninety nine price point uh-huh. and uh, really revamped it. Only real criticism you can say is the price, but in time, the price will come down. So big, mm-hmm. I'm very happy with the MacBook Air situation. Yeah, and the M2 from M1, just, just to capture that, uh, marginally faster, but I think a big focus was bringing some of the the m1 pro video expertise to the mm-hmm. m12 base yeah like the video codecs yeah yeah, the onboard yeah decoders yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah instead of the cpu gpus 10 percent five five to ten percent improvement a bit more on gpu because they, they updated the, the individual cores a lot more and i think we'll see that kind of similar relative improvement when they roll out the m2 versions of like the m2 mapper pro and the m2 ultra and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff but it, it's obviously the, the the jump from intel to m1 was so huge they were never going to re- repeat that immediately and these m2 generations are still the same uh five nanometer process size so they don't have much room to really 
uh, kick it. Uh, when they when they jump to like three nanometer, four nanometer with the M3 generation, then you'll get a much bigger uh, perform difference. But M1, even the M1 chips alone, they're so they're so performant that it's hard to complain. Like the the base model, um, the base chips still only support one external display on the laptops, which kind of sucks. But I agree. hard to hard to hard to moan apart from that because you know I I I, I use the M1 uh, Max MacBook Pro and the performance is so good and it's the same and yeah like the m1 max is like the top end m1 chip but you could get the base m1 chip and the performance still feels incredible uh it's just ram you know you get you get the ram you get the chip it just it just it just flies so the fact that the m2 chip is only quote up to 10 percent faster is not is not a big deal mm-hmm. it's just year over year improvement Finally, we're also sponsored this week by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. And if you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. You just tap one button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, so you can compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device. And when it's communicating with iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. And try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. All right, trivia time. Uh, nanometer, you mentioned that about the chip size a moment ago. Which I finally did the Google search on Wikipedia and uh, have some some data about nanometers. Um, do you know how a nanometer compares to a meter? You, you use uh, meters. Yeah, we British. use meters. Yeah, it's metric. Yeah. Um, compared to a meter, hmm. Well, I think a nanometer is a thousandth of a centimeter, but then... So it's a millionth of a meter, is that right? What's a millimeter then? Of a a millimeter is a thousandth of a centimeter. Yeah, and yeah. a meter is a hundred centimeters. Yeah. Well, so is okay. it ten? Is a nanometer a ten thousand? Ten thousand. What I have in front of me is that a nanometer is a billionth of a meter. Okay, a billionth. Okay, even more. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, which uh, I haven't used the word billionth ever before. That's <laughs> cool. And then I was. This is also my curiosity. You know, we go from five nanometers to four to three, and eventually we're going to not be able to go from like one to zero because <laughs> zero is none. I um, mean, you're literally bumping up onto the distance the atoms like. Yeah. Explode. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have wondered a lot in this podcast before, what do you go to if you shrink in size below one? And uh, I will say a nanometer is 1,000 picometers. So we mm. can measure in picometers in the future. <laughs> if we want to get down to picometer um, feature size on a processor, they're going to have to move into like quantum kind of situations. I mean, the, the nanometer stuff is a bit of a marketing gimmick because like people measure in different ways but like you know tsmc five nanometer is smaller than tsm seven nanometer but you compare it to intel and it's like not it's not directly comparable but if you're thinking like in terms of literally how close are the transistors together most scientists believe that you won't be able to get below like one nanometer stably because the atoms just behave weirdly once you get them cl- that close together 
Yeah, and a peak on meter. I'm just gonna end on this one. It's a thousand fento meters. F e m t o m e t r. Yeah, so I'll end. I'll end on that. <laughs> Let's go to August. <laughs> Apple announces that the App Store will now be called the Ad Store. Is that right? That's Not quite, but pretty close. Yeah, this is when they announced the two additional ad slots that launched uh, a couple of months later. That's one on the um, Today tab, a big ad, and then one in the You almost you Might Also Like section on the individual App Store product pages. Uh, this is obviously building on their existing search ads they had when you do a search and also just on the search tab itself in the suggested section. Yeah, it, it launched so, months later to great fanfare. But they announced it quietly in August. I think like they told like three outlets, maybe two or one, and we were one of them. So, <laughs> and when it launched, it got a lot of backlash because yes. of the casino problem, right? Um, yeah. Where you know developers were rightly annoyed that their app store product pages, their like only page where they can like promote their own product, was now also adorned with an ad for like gambling apps or rubbish or scams or something else. Uh, I mean, adding more ads is never going to be open and welcome arms, but they obviously could have executed better than they did because as it stands right now they have quote paused showing casino and gambling ads next to app store product pages but they still haven't come up with a long-term solution for that whether they're going to never do it whether they're going to do it anyway um who knows like apple is obvious and and this was coming off the back of like the reports that apple wants to like triple advertising revenue so like triple revenue from the advertising division and some of that is from doing like more advertising in different ways for instance on the mls stream they're going to be showing ad revenue for instance but also it just means everywhere you where you currently show ads you just show more of them and so this year they have easily doubled the amount of times that people see ads on the app store because they've had too many placements and those placements appear every time you search for something so um that's one way to make more money from it i wish like there's a, there's a limit, right, in terms of what you can accept in terms of ads. Inside the App Store, it feels okay because that does feel like Apple's domain. And if they want to put ads on the Today tab, then go go ahead. You can just ruin it and it'll only affect you. <laughs> when they put it on the product pages, that's when it really grated. And so that's when they got a lot of pushback. I don't think they're going to go like crazy and put ads in literally every single application. There'll be some more expansions. Like we've the rumored is that they're going to add it to the Maps app when you search for stuff and you get sponsored results and things. But if they contain it like that, people aren't going to care too much. Obviously, you'd prefer if there were no ads at all because you're paying a premium price for the hardware in the first place, but you have to meet with the business. So as long yeah. as they don't do anything stupid, like repeat the problems with the casino and gambling ad situation that we saw happen, uh, it'll be okay. But yeah. they really need to like roll that back i think like if they had the ad on the search tab the ad on the today tab do they also really need the ad on the product page itself like really could they could they've not done that one step and made a compromise yeah all right uh we had products in march and in july which is not always what happens for a year of apple but we we do expect products in the fall so starting in september we have the iPhone and Apple Watch event. So this is iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. Also 14 Plus, plus. was announced. Yeah. My mom bought one. She went from a 7 Plus to a 14 Plus. And she asked me, okay, how do I get the flashlight back? <laughs> you know, because he's going from the bottom to the top instead. And uh, anyway, uh, 14 Pro Max as well. Uh, AirPods Pro 2, long rumored. Finally got these. Uh, Apple Watch Series 8. It's a Series 7 with a couple of changes, and then Apple Ultra, which is a whole new thing. What do you uh, take away from, from, from these announcements in September? Yeah, so the most notable thing about the iPhone 14 and 14 Plus was that 
they did a thing they've never really done before, which they they reused the same CPU generation as they did before, sure. right? Yeah. So these continue to have the A15 chip. Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, um, whereas the Pro gets the A16. It's, the, it's right. the better A15, though, because it's the one from the 13 Pro. Pro, which has, which has an a, extra GPU core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that is something that I think they're kind of kicking off a real like two-tiered system where every year now you can expect that the the base model iPhone is not is going to be like the year before's iPhone in terms yeah. of specification. And which, we're already seeing rumors that that's going to carry on next year too. Yeah, which um, I think is perfectly fine, logical, and marketing makes sense. Uh, it was just the, the first time you do that, it's a little bit awkward and they pulled it yeah. off kind of spectacularly where they were like, I forget what the, quite, the wording was uh, specifically, but it was, I mean... They did it smoothly. They market. They were like, "It's a good thing." Yeah. <laughs> you got the yeah. the better. It helps on more benchmarks. The even the last year's chip is still way faster than the Android side, so that always sure. helps them sell it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fourteen was kind of a, a, a forgettable product. I, otherwise, I think with, than... with the fourteen, the story there. I mean, you do have the emergency um, your satellite connection, and then mm-hmm. you've got um, crash detection as well. Uh, other than that, though, I think the bigger stories of the they did the twelve mini and the thirteen mini. With the fourteen, they dropped the mini entirely. Um, they still sell the thirteen mini as part of the lineup, but they don't have a fourteen mini. They instead they did a fourteen plus, which the idea there is people like bigger screens. So if you make a bigger screen that isn't as expensive as eleven hundred dollars, maybe you'll sell more of those. We don't have the raw numbers, but early reports have been that the plus uh, fourteen plus just hasn't sold in what they expected. That was the same case for the um, mini versions. Now we don't know if not as expected, not as selling as well. You know what did better, the mini or the plus? At this point, um, it, the it plus did, will do well. It did not Give help that the plus launched. Um, uh, you know the following month. It also. You, you just you, it's hard to judge the plus performance you know in sales based on the first um you know month or two when the pro phones are what the enthusiasts buy and then over the the, the following like nine months you know is when the the non pro phones kind of have their day yeah i agree i agree mm-hmm. like the 14 plus it's a it's a cheaper phone with a bigger screen iphone like it will do well over time and it some is, of the it, early reports yeah. were basically saying that more people were buying the pro models than the than expected and slightly lesser mm. than thingy models so like yeah. the equilibrium will work out but over not, time not a bad problem it, to have no exactly and yeah. i don't think they're going to go back to next year having or the year after being like well that didn't work we're going back to a small phone and the normal size phone like it would the be, bigger phone at the smaller at the cheaper price is way more competitive it just is if anything they would just say we offer one size of of the non-pro phone you know and yeah and, and yeah. we do have rumors you know in the next year about maybe an ultra model so you've, you've got pro and maybe ultra um so you could you could see that being a thing you could see like there being you know, maybe they've already got a a 15 plus planned, but I could imagine a future where they've got, you know, iPhone 16 is one size. Um, iPhone uh, 16 Pro is better in one size and then iPhone Ultra is larger and better and best, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I guess the, the more interesting thing for the iPhone is that you in the, the Pro phone, they they do always on display for the first time. They enhance the camera in such a way that it's got 48 megapixels 
and it does pixel binning so that you can do a 12 megapixel photo with the best results. They've also taken advantage of the 48 megapixel sensor. So they have 3x um, optical zoom and then they do a crop from 48 megapixels to let you do 2x on um, that lens versus a digital zoom way better. That's my favorite part of the iPhone um, 14 Pro. Um, anything the, else? The 2x zoom being back. Yeah, that's yeah. that nice. Yeah, it's the options there are wonderful. Um, the one x camera is a lot better um mm-hmm. i still wish the cat the native apple camera app would let you shoot like 48 megapixel jpeg because i do think you get more detail that way um but right now the only way you can do it is by shooting raw which kind of sucks because it just takes up way too much space so i don't do it um always on display was cool obviously when it came out everyone was having the debate about whether you want like just a plain black always on display or you want the colorful one i love the colorful one from the day they announced it still do but as we know in ios 16 uh, point two, you now have a setting. So if you just want a boring always on display, you can actually turn that on. Yep. Yeah, which, you know, I think the thing there too is we expected the boring thing and we we got the Apple Watch equivalent, which is like full color. <laughs> and I think if you like that, which mean you do, then it was a pretty big surprise. And it blends in well with the iOS 16 lock screen features to show it off and the live activity stuff. Um, it all works pretty well with that always on display. So I yeah. think they made the right choice. Yeah, I will say I was at the gym last night on the elliptical watching Monday Night Football on the TV. And then my iPhone was propped up in front of me with on the lock screen with the Pelicans NBA game score updating. And that was that was cool. That was nice. So it's like I'm actually using this thing, both always on and live activities there. So, pretty and cool. the dynamic island, I think they executed that pretty well. Like, it's fun. It's interesting. It doesn't do very much. It's just playful. And but in you know the the, the now playing music controls always being there, I do actually find quite useful. I still kind of wish if you just tapped on it, it would bring up the the mini controls rather they than have launching to the app. They have to. Like every time that I'm doing a long press to see that in that you know nanosecond and a half i'm thinking about oh this should be changed it's because yeah. <laughs> it, when you have to long press it's like well it was probably faster if i just tapped on it and then press pause and when the app came back to the front mm-hmm. um just because how long it takes the long press to activate uh, so yeah they uh, I, like if they can add an option for the always on display situation i feel like they could add an option for like, what happens with a tap 3d touch the and it was like a deeper press would instantly open it i'd get it but they don't have 3d touch anymore so. When the now playing controls are there, what I mostly want to do is tap on it to pause or fast forward slightly. I don't care about launching the application. And so every single time the now playing controls are there, which is probably the most common use of the Dynamic Island in practice, sure. is having music or podcasts or whatever set up there. So whenever that happens, it feels like, yeah, this is the wrong way around. For other applications, in the rare cases they do appear in the island, generally you do want to tap to um, just launch the app, I find. So maybe they could change it just for now playing so like now playing special case so it opens that and not that which they do do in some other cases like for facetime if you tap on when you're doing a facetime call it just launches the it just shows the little mini um controls for controlling the facetime call uh it doesn't launch you into the full screen facetime experience uh, so they do it in some places but for whatever reason on music and now playing they decided to launch the app but i feel like that's something they should change i think it i would give it give a setting for yeah i would always prefer to have the 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 dynamic outline with span when you tap it because you know it's so fast to just open the app otherwise and that's when you it's like you're doing two different things different intents so 
Uh, hopefully they'll change that. <laughs> AirPods Pro option. 2, you bought those, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. AirPods Pro 2, they added um, Find My to the case properly where it has a speaker for pinging it. Um, it's got a U1 chip for locating it. It's got a hole for a lanyard for carrying it. And then the AirPods Pro 2 themselves, they've got longer battery life than the AirPods Pro had. They've got... Um, the, the the noise cancellation is, is is definitely improved. The transparency feature they've added adaptive transparency, where in theory you can um, hear the audio around you, and if a fire truck goes by, it won't blare in your ears. You'll just hear it at a normal volume, while you also hear everyone around you at a higher volume. Uh, I think still it's been like nobody that's been like, oh, that definitely works the correct way, or I can tell it's <laughs> working. So you know whatever there, but otherwise they're great. Like. I was, you know, last night at the gym, I was using AirPods Pro 2 uh, as I was on the elliptical. And um, I've, Dolby Atmos, I don't know if that was this year or last year, but um, I was listening to the self-titled Blink-22 album, and I did not know it was in Dolby Atmos. Uh, it wasn't the last time I listened to it. And, man, it sounded really good with AirPods Pro 2. And, like, there was um, one track where I felt like, this bass is really impressive. Like it feels like it's booming the bottom of my ears, like where the, where the pods are sitting. So um super impressed with, with their pods pro too. I would, you know, they, they did, a, they did a great job there. <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. A uh, series eight Apple watch added the uh, body temperature sensor, which is relative changes from a baseline, mostly used for the women's house functionality for um, retroactive uh, period tracking um that was basically it for the series eight right yeah so series eight was kind of like whatever um it's uh, fine, crash, crash, crash detection crash detection yeah there we go um, I, I wish they'd do slightly more with the baseline series eight because i'm not interested in the ultra no more edition. That's where all the focus was no more addition there's no ceramic there hasn't been for a few years there's no titanium which came in two tones that's gone it's it's and they have fewer color options on the on the non um, on the non identifier models. Just the, the the aluminum series eight has fewer color models than they had the previous. Well, year. One nice little change is they don't have dedicated Nike models anymore. They just have the Apple Watch series eight, and you can download the Nike faces on all models. Which yeah, is nice. which is wonderful. It's the first time you can have a stainless steel or ceramic or titanium model with a Nike face included. Hermes is still limited to the Hermes. Uh, watches even if you buy an hermes band separate so that's the only thing and they hermes does not get nike you can't do an hermes face on a nike face on an hermes watch weird but they've they've improved at least from before so kudos apple watch ultra apple watch ultra yeah that's the big one and this one i was super excited for um i didn't buy it immediately but um when i did buy it i was hooked I have no regrets. Like the only thing that slows me down about the Apple Watch Ultra is when I see a Series 7 or Series 8 or Ceramic Series 5. It's like those are very beautiful objects. They're they're nicer looking and they're prettier, even like an aluminum Series 8, um, just because the glass, the curved glass is most of the top of the case and there's very little metal on the sides and then it's glass on the bottom. It's a very nice object. Uh, it's It's much more edge to edge than the ultra display is but the practicality of the ultra if you're just someone who 
doesn't want their Apple Watch battery to die. The battery life is is great. Like you're going to get through two days easily. You can extend this thing with low power mode and turning off certain features. And um, you know, people are getting you know three days, four days. I've seen people get like seven days from very minimal usage if they really want to make this thing last. It's crazy. You couldn't do that before on a Series Eight or sooner earlier. Um, and then for you know the, the change that they've got. It is titanium. It's one tone of titanium. You don't have color options yet. They've got three band options for it for now. One unique watch face for it, uh, the Wayfinder watch face. They've got the action button, which is a, you know, you've got the digital crown. You've got the side button below that. Now you've got a button on the other side that looks like the side button. It's international orange is the color. You click it and uh, it can do whatever you assign to it within a limited number of options. Um, you can launch the workout app. You can launch a specific workout in the workout app if you so choose. You can launch a shortcut from it. You can turn on your flashlight. A few different things. Sorry, stopwatch. Uh, I use it to launch the workout app versus a specific workout. And uh, what that does effectively for me is it allows me to have one click to launch the workout app without having a complication for the workout app on the watch face. And I like that because... The workout complication doesn't show data. It's just an app launcher. So it's a perfect use case for a button instead that doesn't take up space on the, on the watch face. Um, oh, I, I am thrilled by it. You've, you've got a very loud siren. You've got a bigger screen, 49 millimeters. It's brighter than any other Apple Watch before uh, that, that came before it. Um, you've got dive compatibility where, <laughs> you know, if you go in water at all, it, it can detect that. It can tell you the temperature and I think depth of the water off the bat. And then they've got their partner um, with Oceanic Plus as the app for actual like recreational diving to a certain um, point. And that's part of the Apple Watch Ultra experience if, if that's what you need for it. Uh, also, GPS, they've added a second uh, band of GPS that's that's more precise. So I think it's L1 and L5 are the two bands now. It's only on the Apple Watch Ultra, not even on the phones. So um, this this is the happiest I've been with an Apple watch aside from the looks like it's, I think it looks cool. You know, uh, I think it looks really cool. It's nice looking. It's, it's, um, you know, the closest thing to like a tactical Apple watch. Uh, and it, and it also serves to make the series seven and eight screens look really good, even compared to the six. Cause the series seven was like a minor change over series six. You just went a little bit wider on the borders or, or narrow borders, bigger mm -hmm. screen. Uh, the Ultra, it, it's got, I mean, it's got a flat crystal on top, not rounded, and it's got bezel. So it's got like the case bezel, and then it's got like the screen bezel, and then there's the watch face. So um, you, it's way less full screen, even though it is bigger. That's room to improve in the future if they can. But I do think that the Apple Watch Ultra has enough going for it now that, you know, they didn't call it the Apple Watch Ultra Series 8. I think that they could ride on this hardware for a couple years, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Because the things yeah. that the Ultra has are things you'd expect to come to the Series 9 and 10, like improved um, GPS, like maybe the action button as a, as a thing that people actually do like, um, the screen brightness improving. It's like you got a fast track to future Apple Watch improvements. Yeah, now that's what but, I want to see. I, yeah. I I want to get a Series Nine with an action button on it because that sure. would actually be useful. And yeah. um, for me, the the size alone of the Ultra kind of ruled it out. But 
it was never going to be for me on that on 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 that basis. I don't really love the design either, personally. I prefer the sleek and you know the sleeker look of just the normal Apple Watch line. But conceptually, I've got nothing wrong with the Apple Watch series series um the, the Apple Watch Ultra as a product line. Yeah. It's cool. Um, it has some cool features, and yeah, I wish like the action button stuff would make its way down to the to the baseline watches as well. Yeah, I would say the one surprise with Apple Ultra when it was announced is the price. It was not as expensive as we thought it might be. Yeah, like it's the same price as a forty-five millimeter Series Eight stainless steel, but with a bigger screen and better battery life. It's cheaper than an Apple Watch Series Eight or Mez with a smaller screen and worse battery life. So it's it did a good job in pricing for it. October M2 iPad Pro game changer. <laughs> it had the incredible hover feature for the Apple Pencil. Yeah, yeah, in, in certain apps. Completely forgettable, yeah. Yeah, what else was new on the M2? It had an M2 chip inside, so better for yeah. video. <laughs> a little bit faster and better for video uh, uh, export. And it had super fast wireless connectivity with support for Wi-Fi 6E. Dang. Yeah. Uh, still has uh, mini LED only on the 12.9 inch, which was, you know, weird that they didn't bring it to the 11 inch. I guess in the future they're going to go to OLED and they'll just skip mini LED on the 11 inch or whatever they do, we'll see, you know. But that that was kind of the bummer, I think, this time, was that the 11 inch did not get the, the you know, better contrast display, deeper black display. Yeah, yeah another kind of, like, small iterative update for the iPad Pro line. Like, mm-hmm. the 2018 one was still so good that it's... They're really struggling to, like, top that generation. Without a, some sort of redesign and... Think, I think that's probably why we're also seeing like the next rumor is just a, a, a bigger screen size, which is also needed. Like people want to do more with with an iPad than you can do even on a almost 13 inch screen size. So, you know, if you go to 14 and a half or so, that's a different product than what you had before. In the same way that the first iPad Pro was just bigger. I mean, it was it had the same design as the iPad um, Air. It was just literally bigger, which made a difference in functionality. I mean, how much you can see on a screen, how much you can multitask with. So I think, that's and, okay. and I mean, they kind of admit that today by the fact that the iPad iOS 16 adds that more space option, right? So you yeah, can do like yeah. the the bigger screen resolution. Like they should just make an iPad that has that screen resolution as the native screen resolution, mm-hmm. and that's probably what they're going to do with the rumored 15 inch one. Yeah, in terms of the iPad Mini, that that they didn't update this year, but it's also very good because it's like the same design language as the iPad Pro and iPad Air, um, iPad 10. So the base model iPad did get that design language. Um, they also kept the iPad 9 around because of the price. So iPad 9, 330. iPad 10 is 450, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, has a lot of cool colors. So you've got like a really vibrant pink, blue, yellow, and then silver. You've got the webcam move from the portrait top to the landscape top, which is great for placement of a webcam on a which screen. Which they didn't do on the iPad Pro. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do on the iPad Pro. I think because this was a new industrial design for the iPad and then the iPad pro was the exact same one um the weirdest thing with the ipad 10 is the apple pencil connectivity situation um they did not do apple pencil 2 support they do apple pencil 1 support which uh because the ipad 10 has a little uh, usb-c instead of lightning it means you can't actually connect and pair and charge the apple pencil 1 to the ipad 10 without an adapter the adapter goes from USB-C out to lightning in. Mm-hmm. However, you yep. or no, maybe it's USB-C on both sides. I don't know, but you plug in a cable. It's both an adapter and a cable that you need to charge the thing. No, what, one end's lightning because that's what plugs into the, the lightning port of the pencil. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. it's the first-gen pencil, which is lightning only, remember? Yeah, 
So that means that the as long as the iPad 10 is here, then so will be the Apple Pencil 1, which was um, like 2015 or 16 or so. 15, got replaced yeah. a couple mm-hmm. years later with a much better product that had um, charging on board, pairing on board, no cap to lose. Doesn't Whatever. roll all over the place. <laughs> flat yeah. edge. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Oh, and then they have the new accessory for that, which is the... Um, let's see if I get the name right. I'm thinking it's called Magic Keyboard Folio. I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah which is a two-part accessory. It's the clicky keys with an escape key, right? That's the thing? And a function key, um, function key row. Function key row, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Not on the iPad Pro accessories <laughs> yet. And then the stand part of it is removable from the keyboard. So you could just use the stand part on its own without the keyboard, which I think is a common use. Or you could use another accessory to mount to prop it up and then use the keyboard. So uh, I think I think that's a pretty cool accessory. Um, and then the, it's just awkward that the low end of the iPad line got the most changes this year than the iPad Pro high end. Not even getting an 11 inch display with um, mini LED was kind of a bummer. So in future years, we'll see. I mean, they'll have to make new accessories for the 15 inch or whatever size the bigger thing is. So that's when we'll see changes. Yeah, presumably the next round of iPad Pro redesign will add stuff like the accessory with an actual function row and stuff. Yeah, I, I could see them doing another round of this design but with a larger option in it. And then, I don't know. I don't know. Because the the design, even though it's from 2018, it's still really great. And it's not radically different from anything else they're doing. Like maybe you would do a flat top rounded edges kind of match with the... And there was rumors of like wireless charging through the Apple logo and stuff, remember, that didn't come to pass this year. Yeah, yeah. So, Mac safe uh, possibility, even like the Mac Mac safe could be a thing. But you know, so we'll, we'll see what those. But the other thing from October event was the Apple TV 4K. This is uh, an improvement in mostly the cost. Yep, and and then also the chip and the performance and everything. But you're a customer of this, so what do we have on Apple TV 4K 2022? Yeah, so they surprisingly went from a 12 to a 15 in just one year because they last updated it in 2021. So, you know, a year and a half later, they, they did a massive um, CPU jump, which is always welcome. Uh, they added HDR10 Plus support, which is useful if you have a Samsung TV, because that's their equivalent to Dolby Vision. Um, but the main difference with this generation was that they made it a lot cheaper. So before, the Apple TV 4K started at 179 and now it starts at 129 So you literally got a $50 cheaper product that is actually better. So that and the Apple TV, the main thing I was always complaining about with the old Apple TV was it too expensive. They made it cheaper. Too big, two thumbs up. They can make it cheaper still, uh, which would be even more welcome. But as it stands, one twenty nine entry points now for the Apple TV four K, which is great. And you can get the higher end model for one forty nine, which is still cheaper than what they sold the old Apple TV four K for by thirty dollars. And the higher end model gets you one hundred twenty eight gigs of storage and uh, Ethernet port and a thread radio inside. So yeah. the uh, like and that because now this is one forty nine, they they allowed them to completely remove the Apple TV HD, which is a very very dated product, first released in twenty fifteen. Um, so that's completely gone now because now the new lineup is one twenty nine, one forty nine. So the most expensive Apple TV you can buy now is the price of the old Apple TV HD. So yeah, if you uh, don't care about thread radio or Ethernet, you effectively took the two hundred dollar Apple TV and made it one hundred thirty dollars. 
and gave and, it a better chip. Yep. Yeah, and gave it a better chip. Yeah. Uh, did the price increases for Apple so for Apple Music and TV go in October, or November? I know it was around that time. Yeah, it was probably start in November, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll go into November now. Um, that's just one thing I want to mention. What, what was the? It, it was strictly for Apple TV and Apple Music. Apple Music was a dollar more. A dollar. It went from nine ninety nine to ten ninety nine. TV, TV Plus went from four ninety nine to six ninety nine, <laughs> and then all the Apple One bundles went up like two or three dollars to, yeah, to compensate as well yeah okay not a big deal but it still makes the bill for the highest bundle go from 30 to 31 three. or two yeah 33 yeah. all right uh iphone 14 pro production issues <laughs> not not a good thing to have for your flagship product in the in the in the holiday season holiday quarter. especially the ones that were supposedly selling the best <laughs> yeah, yeah but this and so this this was so they've they've had covid19 related uh, production impacts before but this was so bad that they had to release a dedicated statement entitled update on supply of iphone 14 pro and iphone 14 pro max basically saying they're not going to have enough for christmas time we're seeing so much strong demand. You need to order now if you want any chance of getting it for Christmas. And I think it was like November 15th was the last date you could order from Apple to ensure that you got a 14 Pro on Christmas Day uh, because they're just so supply constrained because of the uh, lockdowns in China impacting their main assembly facility in uh, Shenzhen. Uh, this obviously has repercussions beyond like the the individual local issue of the iPhone 14 Pro production. This is probably one of the big catalysts for Apple's expansion and diversification of the supply chain because you know this press release the fact that they had to release a press release means that this will have a, a direct significant uh, financial impact on on the holiday quarter because if you think about it every million iphones they sell that are, that are pros are like so they're like a thousand dollars each so every million they sell is a billion dollars in revenue so every every million they don't sell is a billion dollars loss and quo and others have predicted that um behind this uh, press release is basically implying about five five to ten million in lost sales this quarter so that's five to ten billion in lost revenue for the holiday period obviously some of those sales will be then accounted for next year in the next quarter when because you know most people buying an iphone if they can't buy it right now they might buy it next quarter anyway but there'll be some loss so this is a billion billions of dollars being uh forfeit because of the production problems so this is just one more reason why apple's going to try and kickstart production facilities in other countries just diversify and reduce their exposure mm-hmm. and then matter which we talked about for a while had its 1.0 launch and it's now actually in shipping products as a smart home standard based on the home kit that's potentially more interoperable they had an event that we didn't know about until it was happening <laughs> what do you think yeah it still doesn't really matter yeah yeah if you're a HomeKit user it's most of the matter stuff that's available today either already supported HomeKit or there was like you know basically supported HomeKit via homebridge or something so there hasn't really been anything new to the market yet that an apple user has really been able to take advantage of and be like this is why matter is good for me um the other uh, smart home ecosystems see benefits because if you get the matter stuff you get local control you get um simple setup and stuff but all that's been basically um apple donated to the protocol from HomeKit. so yeah from the apple side the main thing you're waiting for is like accessories that didn't work with the home app before now work with the home app and siri and stuff and so far i haven't really seen any there's been like one smart plug that that didn't support home before but now it supports matter so yeah which is, is pretty i mean you can spend ten dollars on a smart home home kit yeah plug. so as, as a purchasing guide i'm still looking at home kit as the thing that's required matter aside 
Um, I mean, if it's matter, then it's HomeKit, but I'm looking for HomeKit specifically. And then, like you said, new categories that don't exist in HomeKit yet. If if when like the first few things of that happens, that'll be pretty big, pretty big news. Yeah, and and partly that's constrained by the fact that the matter 1.0 doesn't include a lot of categories. So like the matter 1.0 standard is kind of limited to plugs, light bulbs, and like thermostats. HomeKit stuff, yeah. Yeah, all the all the stuff that HomeKit covers really well by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like robot vacuums or, you know, cameras and all that kind of things. Like HomeKit has some camera options, but there's only like a handful. Uh, so if Matter, like if the Matter standard could just uh, do like an open source uh, smart home camera um, protocol, that would be very good because then, then loads of companies. Yeah. yeah, loads of companies would come on board uh, with, with Matter cameras at some point. But that, that standard isn't going to be ready. I think they're going to do another update to the Matter standard in the spring. Uh, so it's going to take a while before there's actually like a, a material difference from the Apple perspective. Yeah. As for the state of HomeKit in 2022, the matter thing is like a big TBD with no actual material effect yet on HomeKit users. What we, a couple of losses we saw, we saw the um, Ranchio or Richio, I don't know, but they do a um, smart irrigation control system and they just had enough issues with HomeKit that they officially dropped support, at least for like, I think you could still try it but they weren't going to help you with supporting it uh if you had no response it was just too bad and then i think they would refund you if you paid extra for the home kit version of the hardware than the non-home kit and then we saw the uh chamberlain garage like chamberlain made a hub for garage doors that you added to your existing smart garage door or dumb garage door box um and it made it HomeKit, and they literally just stopped selling that this year too. They just said there weren't it wasn't enough of a market for it, which is a shame because it's like the solution, and it was really good. It was hard to set up, hard to configure, but once you got it going, it was wonderful. And it's like you know we're finally seeing um, you know more doorbell cameras, for example, and we've seen locks get improvements, like not just having HomeKit control, but um, being able to open a lock with your Apple Watch or iPhone f- by proximity, not just like an app running on there. So that's that's been nice. But then we're also seeing categories kind of vanish because of support issues or lack of a customer base. So I think that's too bad. I, I hope that that's just an issue for this year and that going forward with Matter, it that as a thing stops happening. And we and then we had the HomeKit architecture upgrade. Mm. TBD. Again, yeah, big question mark whether it's better or worse. Some people have had a lot of issues with it. Other people have been fine. Uh, I actually, funny enough, you mentioned the Rakio thing. Um, I actually saw one person that said since getting the 16.2 architecture, they're, they've never seen no response on their Rakio irrigation controller. So actually cool. they're very happy with it all of a sudden, which is quite funny. <laughs> cool. uh, but that might just be fluke, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, and then we go to December, and we've got uh, Apple Music Sing. We don't have Apple Music Classical as of this recording, but it's only December the 20th, so we'll see on that one. They've um, got Apple, 11 days to yeah. fulfill their promise. Apple Music Sing is a, a sort of a big surprise because it wasn't announced earlier, and it came out like in the beta version soon after it was announced and then released this past week or so. Um, very cool feature. It, it gives you, essentially, it is a volume controller for vocals in songs that apple music can detect and and control the volume of you've also got um the lyrics thing where you've had for a long time shazam style lyrics where what was in focus and was was highlighted was the current part of the song they've 
may I, I I think it, it is a change traveling is like seeing where you've got it like almost like magical dust goes along through the sentences as they as they come up, not just the the kind of paragraphs. Yeah. Um, so that's that's improved. You see like side like left and right aligned text for um, two part songs. This is on iPhone, iPad, the newest Apple TV, not the Mac. They've done, I think that the, also since we've discussed this, you know, it's a pr- pretty recent thing because it is December. The biggest impact in terms of usability is the playlist that they've created. So they've got just a number of playlists with lots and lots of songs supported. So you go from guessing to which songs this works on to being able to look at playlists of songs that are essentially your karaoke list. So nice surprise. Cannot complain about it. it, it we didn't know it was coming when it came. It's impressive. So cool. Yeah, it's a good feature. Yeah. iCloud Advanced Data Protection. This is encryption for more things that can be encrypted. Well, for most things, right? For most things, yeah. The big, the, the big outliers for iCloud were the fact that your iCloud backup was not end-to-end encrypted. So you could have end-to-end encrypted services that you were using, like messages. But then when you used iCloud backup, that was almost for moot because... If somebody got access to Apple servers, they could just get your phone, they could just get your messages out, out of the backup instead. And then there were other services, other critical services, namely the photo service, was not end-to-end encrypted before. And now it is. So if you turn on iCloud Advanced Data Protection, you get like 23 total services that are now fully encrypted with the key owned only by you derived from your password, um, not owned by Apple. So if you're worried about you know, Apple servers getting hacked. They could theoretically, they'll just get a bundle of bytes and they wouldn't be able to decrypt it unless they knew your password. Similarly, if you're worried about getting um, snooped on by state actors or nefarious means, uh, you can have iCloud Advanced Data Protection and know and be and, and know that unless someone also got your password, all your iCloud data is into encryption and they can't see it. So it's a huge deal. Like mm-hmm. Apple is the privacy conscious company. That's what they repeat over and over again in their marketing. And they had this big loophole where iCloud Backup, most importantly, was not end-to-end encrypted and the only backup service you can use on the iPhone is iCloud because, you know, iOS locks it down so that no other third-party backup service can really do anything. And so you had to use iCloud Backup if you wanted a cloud backup option. And as soon as you use that, you compromised your security on all of the iCloud services. So this was something they really should have done sooner, honestly, or at least announced they didn't it sooner, but it's here now. They've done it well. Um, it, it's launched in the US with 16.2 and they've said it's coming to other countries uh, going worldwide next year of course governments and states and stuff can still say well this is illegal in our market don't do it uh, but at least Apple's like forging ahead to at least try and roll it out worldwide and they're going to force a government to basically be like we're not going to allow it to to not include it so I'm, I'm really happy this is here it closes the gap between what Apple was like say in its marketing and their actual like product offering yep yep I like that uh, and then last thing, the biggest thing from the year that we should recall in future years about 2022 is when Tim Cook waved the flag at F1 <laughs> <laughs> with great enthusiasm. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, that, that was funny. Leave you with that visual for the year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that is the happy hour podcast for this week, for this year. Um, Benjamin, I'll talk to you tomorrow about last week's for last week's episode. In the meantime, uh, we'll be back next year with more. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach, A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll follow you back. That's my promise. And uh, Benjamin, you're on Twitter at? B-Z-A-Mayo. 
Uh, you can email Benjamin and I together with feedback, uh, questions, anything you want to send to us at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. We appreciate everyone who subscribes to the podcast, everyone who shares the podcast with friends. If you uh, want the ad-free version, it's in Apple Podcast app for $5 a month or $50 a year, and that helps support us directly. Uh, thanks to everyone who supports our sponsors as well. And we'll be back next year with a new episode. Bye, everybody. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.